What's up, everyone? This is Lattes with Lindsay, season two. I have an awesome guest on today. Her name is Marlene Gordon, and she is someone who really inspires me because she has done something that is truly a work of art, and now she has a second book. So without further ado, how are you, Marlene? I am great. Thank you for having me. Yes. Oh, I'm so excited for the world to know more about your poetry because I am a huge fan. So <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so being from Toronto, you know, what what has it been like for you as a writer? You know, how did you really begin this journey? Uh, well, first and foremost, I'm uh, a makeup artist, but I've always uh, loved writing and I kind of put it to the side when I became interested in makeup. Um, but a few years ago, it kind of a couple things sparked my passion again and just decided to go for it. And I love poetry um, and my take on it was a little bit different. Um, I kind of skirt the line between um, vulgarity and like poignant deep poetry. Mm -hmm. Yes, we will definitely get into a few of my favorites later. <laughs> Absolutely, that's awesome. So, you know, being a makeup artist, what was, what was it about, you know, makeup for example that kind of blends into your expression with books well I think when you're an artist you're kind of an artist through and through um before I did makeup like I looked like a drag queen when I was a teenager but oh before <laughs> before I got into makeup professionally I was in high school I was painting and drawing a lot so I was uh interested in art and I wanted to be a fashion designer so I think once that artistic gene is in you, you kind of delve into different facets of uh, the industry. And um, I think makeup is, um, I find it does inspire my writing sometimes. So um, yeah, you're, I think when you're an artist, you're just an artist, period. Yeah, and expression is everything when it comes to art, that's for sure. Yes. You know? Yeah. You find that you have like a, like I had Donna on a few weeks ago for um, this podcast as well, talking about makeup, but do you find that you have like a niche with, you know, makeup and, and that um, kind of industry? Um, I like to use the term, it's probably not a great term, but I like to say virginal. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my God. I like soft, I like fresh um like the world hasn't tainted you yet mm -hmm. um that's kind of my my aesthetic and I find now that I'm getting older I'm turning 40 in a few months Get um, it, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like I I want to focus more on my skin looking great and then everything else tends to be more minimal nothing wrong with doing like a really um intense glam look I love that too mm -hmm. um but for me especially in the midst of a pandemic I mean I'm not going to be doing full glam and then putting a mask on so um, <laughs> it's true so it's, it's been true. even more minimal the last seven months or however long we've been in this I know and it's funny because some of my clients they make me like die laughing one of them came in and they literally did half their face with makeup and I was just like, you completed my world for today. Like yeah. literally like to the line of their mask <laughs> is where they stop their foundation. That's great. Oh. That's great. Well, you know what? A lot of people are getting like a mask me now. So it's, yes. it's great to just let your skin breathe and maybe not wear much if you have to wear a mask, right? Yeah. Do you have any recommendations of how to eliminate that? <laughs> I feel like so many are going through it. Well, what I just do is because my, um, I've been 
blessed with pretty decent skin. So for me, the condition, the, my concerns are mainly hyperpigmentation and darkness under my eyes. So I just conceal under my eyes, mm. put on a little bit of mascara and lip balm. Um, and if I'm feeling fancy, I'll put on my cream blush. <laughs> I don't even know what any of that is. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. And you we'll know, talk. like, I know exactly. Oh, when I was, cause you did, um, our makeup at Liz's wedding. And, you know, when Liz starts talking makeup and she does my face sometimes when we go out before, obviously COVID, it was just like, I don't know what you're doing, but the aftermath is wonderful. Sounds good. Whatever, whatever you're saying right now, just do it. As long as it looks good in the end, that's all that matters. Oh yes. Yes. And I'm, I'm sure there are a lot of people who wish they did have people like yourself in their life to educate them on this. comes in pretty handy sometimes for my friends you know yes exactly so what has it been like during COVID for you um with writing do you find that you're writing more no um (laughs) (laughs) Um, so the thing is the thing is pre-COVID I had three Toronto cafes that I like to go to one in particular Mm. and it was kind of my setup when I had a um day off I would just go there I set Um, a specific time before I started writing I would read things about writers and uh, like how to get over writer's block and they would all say um, oh just set a time go just do it every day even if you're just sitting there writing gibberish something will come and I would think oh that's a load of bs but then when I actually started doing it you just got into the practice and then things would come and when it was warm I would go write at High Park Um, but being inside I thought with the second book, I was trying to finish it. I was like, great, I, I'm going to be inside all day. Mm-hmm. I have tons of time to finish this. But it was so hard to write at home because I find it's so easy to get distracted. And, you know, I'm going to the fridge 10 million times a day or scrolling <laughs> Instagram. Yes. Whereas when I'm somewhere specific, I know I have this allotted amount of time and I have to get it done. Um, so I found it more difficult. Yeah. Well, High Park is definitely a wonderful place. I love that place all year round. Like even in the winter, that cafe is so cozy. Like, is that kind of the vibe that you go for is just trying to find somewhere like intimate, very low key and, and, you know, have that latte. (laughs) Yeah. My favorite spot actually at the park is that, do you know, Grenadier Pond? On the other side. Yes. 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 So going down to Grenadier Pond, sitting there with a blanket and just looking out at the the water and people stroll by that I found I ended up writing a lot there actually mm. um and one uh one coffee shop that I loved in Toronto was called Propeller um but they haven't been open since the pandemic mm. um and that was my spot like I would just go and sit there and there was always like interesting people coming in some regulars that you'd see all the time and I do miss that. Yeah. Well, it's, it's almost like that intimate feeling, right? Like, especially at the park or a cafe, like if you see the regulars go by or even just going off people's moods when they're walking, like this morning, Mm -hmm. like I went for my walk and just kind of seeing people's vibes when you walk by them can sometimes inspire you. Right. Oh yeah, definitely. I once wrote a uh, haiku about a man that walked by and he had a um, orange mullet Mm. And I would find, I found inspiration is that in that. So that's actually kind of how I started writing um, the first book. I would start off with haiku, mm. um, which is this three lines, 17 syllables. And I would write it about the most random subjects. And I found that kind of, 
uh, built me up to write longer poems. Mm. Is that, do you have like a favorite poem that you typically do like to write? Like, do you find that you, you like one that breaks down every feeling or emotion or is it like, cause you have so many different types, which is awesome. Is there a favorite? Uh, no, I just, um, with the first book, I wanted every chapter to have a different mood. Um, so like one chapter in the first one was called manger. So anything sort of food related was in that. And then the more sort of deep um, poems were in a chapter called Revelations. Whereas with the second book, um, I had sort of grandiose plans. But I, I wanted to write like a hundred haiku. And then I was just like, that's oh, not gonna happen. Um, but there wasn't a specific mood um, for each no. section. I just wrote what I felt. Mm. And do you find that you've grown as like an individual throughout your writing? Yeah, I definitely think so. I think with the second one, I went a little bit um, deeper into emotion, whereas the first one, there were still some deep poems in there, but it was slightly more comedic. Um, but mm. I don't like to be vulnerable. So the second book was... <laughs> me getting a little bit more <laughs> vulnerable yeah like I have I have this one from your second book it's a, it's a quote and it's uh it's called make a clap <laughs> I died like you want to talk about comedy it's you know make a clap he said so I clap my hands that's not what he meant <laughs> it just I was howling when I read that because it's it's true right like you mean you gotta have like different emotions but like mm -hmm. having that comedy side is just it's a nice transition <laughs> and you know what it you know what it is um for me like I just thinking from the reader's perspective and I I love poetry but to read an entire book of sort of um really sad deep poetry mm -hmm. sometimes you're in the mood for that but for me I'm a I think I'm a funny person um <laughs> so like I like a little bit of levity to break things up and I had feedback from a couple people where they're like I'd like to read like just all more serious work from mm. you and I was thinking about it I was like yeah maybe they're right but I think this is kind of my style to be serious and then funny at the same time and I don't think anybody else is really doing that within poetry yeah no it's it's hard to honestly it's hard to find like my my friend introduced me to so many different types of styles of poetry but mm -hmm. funny is definitely very rare these days it's yeah yeah it's it's a very um most of them are very much like r&b vibes like very yes. calm and collective yeah. and, you know in the feelings but like subliminally like it's yeah but it's, it's, have you ever had someone inspire you when you were writing? Like, are there key people that you really like to read? Um, you know what, actually, when I'm writing poetry, I don't like to read other people's poetry because I feel like I don't mm. want to be influenced in any way by somebody else's work. Um, she's not a poet, but one of my favorite writers is Zadie Smith. Um, mm. And I just, she could write about plumbing and I would read it enthusiastically. <laughs> I just lo love her tone and I find her fascinating. Um, there's a poem, I'm probably, I'm probably gonna mispronounce her name, Nahira Wahid. Um, her, her poetry is beautiful. Um, and also there's a British poet, I forgot her name, but I read her um, daily and I find her really inspiring. Um, but when I am writing poetry, I really don't like to 
read anybody else's. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think it would probably, you know, influence or not, it's, you know, it's, it's hard because then that factor gets you into a certain mood, right? And then mm-hmm. it alters how you are going to write. So, yeah, it's... But one of my favorite poems is uh, by Pablo, Pablo Neruda, uh, and the poem is La Reina, or The Queen. Um, and it just kind of talks about his love interest and how um, she walks on a sort of carpet of gold and nobody sees it, but he sees it. Uh, so it's, yeah, you have to read that one. It's one Ooh, of my favorites. I'm going to star that one. I actually, yes. that sounds good. Oh. Yeah. And, I, and I actually really find it inspiring when you read poetry because it, it's not... Um, one, it's not long. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, it's a page or maybe a couple sentences, but it's, it's honestly incredible yet inspiring when you read that short kind of um, moment in time. Mm-hmm. And it actually feels like you just read a whole book. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that's, I think that's really cool with the, with, with the poetry world. That's for sure. And one thing I, I think about me is most of my poems are a little bit uh, shorter and I thought about getting into writing like longer um, long form poetry but I just and I do enjoy it sometimes but for me I like to be more succinct and I feel like I can convey uh, emotion in a shorter shorter structure but that's just me mm-hmm. and my preference <laughs> yeah. yep yep because I mean heck you could do whatever you want that's the best part about this career exactly it's like- do I feel like writing this? Do I feel like writing an angry quote? Do I feel like, you know, it's, it's whatever you feel. That's a great thing about right now too, because I feel like we have so much control. Whereas if you were self-published maybe 10 years ago, you didn't have as many avenues. Um, but now I think it's a little bit easier and there are self-publishing companies. And with me, I approach several independent bookstores in the city um, to see if they would take an independent author. And in the mm. beginning, I had a book signing at Indigo. So it was kind of just me getting out there and pushing. And I'm a shy person. Um, <laughs> so for me to be like, hi, can you read my book, please? Um, it's like, <laughs> I, like, uh, I don't, don't ask them, but it's like, I know. you got to. But it's hard to talk about yourself. Like you've mentioned before, yeah. like it's, it's hard when, you know, I ask a lot of the people who are on here, I say, tell me about yourself. And they're like, uh, my name is Marlene. Like I'm yeah, almost 40. Exactly. I'm, I'm awesome at my job. Like, you know, like they, it's pretty hard, much, pretty right? much. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, going out into the world and trying to promote yourself through this kind of platform, has it been hard with being an independent kind of author or have you kind of slowly progressed with the way the world is going? It's a slow progression. Um, and I think part of our generation likes that immediate gratification. Um, so sometimes things take a little bit longer, but now I'm okay with sort of that slow grind and building an audience slowly. Um, and it's been, it's been a journey, but really so informative. And I, to start it from just an idea in my head and Mm -hmm. I was lucky where I was at a party when the book was just an idea and I was talking about it and a friend knew a graphic designer and she was like, oh, Marlene's thinking about writing a book. You guys should exchange information. I sent her a DM and like, I'm not ready yet. <laughs> um, and, but when I was ready, 
I sent her a message and uh, we worked together on the first book and then the second book. So she designed uh, the cover, she did the illustrations and also did the layout. So it was like a blessing meeting her because I wouldn't know how to do any of that stuff myself. Yeah. So with the title, how did you come up with that for the first book, for example? For the first book, uh, Not All Mangoes Are Sweet, I was actually in the car with my mother and the Soka song by um, Kesta Ben came on called Hello. And there's a line in the song. (laughs) Yeah, right? Yes. Um, Where he says, she's sweet like a mango. And my mom's pretty like, she's got the quips. So she was like, well, not all mangoes are sweet. And I don't know why it just stuck in my head. I like it. And I was like, that's it. Not mm-hmm. all mangoes are sweet. Cause they aren't. Sometimes they're tart. You put a little pepper on it mm-hmm. or you can have it really ripe and sweet. So it was just talking about um, sort of duality as well. Yeah. And that's what I liked, you know, when we went to your, your book signing or do you call it like a, a reading? Like, how do you, what do you yeah, call it? Or la- it was kind of like a launch because that's a what launch. it yeah. came out to. And a reading, launch and a reading at the same yeah, time. Yeah, it was, it was a wonderful yeah. combo. It was, it was a very good event. Oh, thank <laughs> it was you. so fun. Um, but uh, yeah, like with that, and you were explaining kind of how your family felt with, you know, the, the vulgar kind of comments in the book and how that was a transition for you guys, but you still wrote it, which I love. <laughs> So, well, actually at the reading, um, like my family was in the front row, including my dad and my brother. And I read out uh, a poem called Beautiful Phallus. So seeing their faces, <laughs> even just reading the title, my brother looked like he wanted to die in that moment. Yes. Um, but I still still read it anyway. So they're kind of used to me by now. I mean, you know what? It is what it is. It's such an interesting topic that people don't ever discuss anyways. You know, like there's so yeah. many names for women's parts that are so, you know, sensitive to talk about. But in poetry, it's really beautiful how they weave that in so naturally. Yes. So it's, yes. it's cool. And that's what I think is so impressive too about um, po- poets being able to create this art with controversial topics but sort of sometimes making it more palatable for a lot of people so I think it's really really an interesting art form yeah and everyone kind of takes it in a different way which is cool like you know yes like it could be we could talk about mangoes and mangoes could be taken in all different forms right which is which is really truly Mm -hmm. art if if you look at it right so yeah that's that's really cool (laughs) So with the second book, for example, what was kind of that vibe like when you were first creating the name and, and the visuals for it? Um, well, I just thought, so the second book is called A Cure for All Your Maladies. Um, so I was thinking about what sort of helps people get into a good place and sort of heal their ailments um, or issues. And when I would... Well, I came up with that title right away after finishing the second book and I told it to a couple of friends and they all hated it. Um, (laughs) And (laughs) so for a while it was something else. It was something else with mangoes in the title, sort of like the sequel. Mm. And then when working with my designer, we're both like, I don't know. And then I told her the first name. She's like, I think you should go back to that. It's unique. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I think my emotions were a bit more raw. Like there's a poem called Sad Sack in there about times when you're feeling down, but you're jovial 
um, and sort of there for everybody else. And you don't want to show that emotion um, because you don't want to bring anybody else down. Mm. Um, and I just, uh, I just felt like I wanted to dive a little bit deeper yeah. into emotion. Yeah. Yeah. And then when quarantine hit, you know, it's like, oh, <laughs> it, the, the, even more so. <laughs> yeah. The emotions were heavy then, but yes. Yeah. But I, I also have to say like in your first book, the emotion was also there. Like I, I from mm-hmm. what I've been reading from the second book, it is very much there, but the first one, like um, Liz and I connected on this one. Cause we, at the time we're in love with Instagram and taking mm-hmm. photos and, and being those people. And I want to read one to you that we really connect with. Um, it was called me versus the camera. And mm. it's so bold yet beautiful because I feel like so many people go through that kind of journey on social media and how to overcome that. So, you know, absolutely for people who haven't read it, I would love to read it out. Um, sure. So it's, you are fine, rare beauty girl, I don't know. I I don't know who told you that, but they lying. <laughs> um, you don't look a day over 30. Remember when you said you would never get filler? Mm, you should probably reconsider. <laughs> Body's looking banging. My lie detector determined that was a lie. Your BMI says you are morbidly obese. I don't need external validation. All those selfies on Instagram tell me otherwise. And I... Like that mm. one is such a dialect that people of all ages can feel like you mm-hmm. don't even like, you know, like a day over 30, but anyone who is over 30 probably still feels that energy. You know what I mean? Yes. So, yeah. And I think it's, it's um, like, I love social media and I hate it mm-hmm. at the same time because I think people tend to compare and, and look at certain things for inspiration, but when you're constantly seeing those images, it's hard to not look at that and look then look at yourself and have that comparison. And I think it could be very detrimental to one's mental health. Um, and I think sometimes I would, you know, this is something to joke about, but I said to my friends, I think I have dysmorphia, body dysmorphia, because I would, I would never think I'm as big as I am. Like I would look in the mirror and be like, oh, yeah, you're cute. Mm-hmm. And then I would see a picture and be like, who is that? I know. You know I mean? Or you take a selfie or the front camera hits you um, when you're not expecting <laughs> it. Like, where did this triple chin come from? I didn't know I had this. Oh, oh my God. That's the worst moment of life. Yeah. I know anyone who has that, that moment, they all just like, I wish it would take the photo because the mood is so true for every single person. <laughs> yes. Like it's, oh, Frank, like I do it's like, look oh, like I this. thought I was like, cute, but the front camera definitely thinks otherwise. Okay. I know. And that's, and that's why I really, I really love that poem because, you know, saying like my lie detector determined that was a lie. And it's, it's so true though, because when people are really feeling that self-validation and they're saying, you know, I put on mascara today and, you know, I, I, I did something with myself and you walk out the door and you take a photo and you post it on this social media webpage and then you don't get the, the appreciation from the external factors that mm. you really want. Mm-hmm. And I think that plays such a role on people's emotions and feelings. And then they kind of integrate those um, quotes that they find on Instagram with that emotion. And it's, mm-hmm. that's why I find poetry is beautiful 
because you can really connect with someone who's created that that written part of your emotion Mm -hmm. but it also may be hard because you know it kind of plays a yin and a yang so it's 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 a tough one well I one thing I am glad about is um that I didn't grow up in a generation that was solely social media Mm -hmm. um like I think we all had those influences of seeing people in the magazines and all of that but I think social media is a whole different animal and I can't imagine being an adolescent uh, growing up in this time. And I think I feel for them because I think it's a lot to see all of this and all these images and uh, people are getting fillers at a much younger age and completely drastically changing their face um, and teach his own for everybody, whatever makes you feel good. But I think it's important to examine why you think you need or want those things. I, I agree. Like I was raised on J14s and like all those cliche magazines. And I think what's really hard is people have so much access to the possibilities for what their body can look like now, or, you know, like you can go on Instagram or YouTube or whatever and find a, a butt workout that can, you know, enhance your booty or make mm-hmm. your boobs bigger or whatever it is. And, and the perception of what people should look like or what I find disappointing is that everyone wants to look the same and that's and that's such a common discussion nowadays right I I have a a poem in the new book called uh the modern face which is sort of about that Instagram aesthetic um and how it's all sort of um homogeneous now and everybody's sort of looking morphing into the same face regardless of ethnicity Mm -hmm. And, um, and one of the lines is um, sort of uh, lips should be plump and pillowy and um, lines should be eradicated before they've had a chance to form. Mm. And for me, it's just, I kind of want to see how I age naturally and um, if things sag and wrinkle, it is what it is. Um, but if something is going to make someone feel better, I don't want to be um, judgmental about that. Mm-hmm. But I just find there's a lot of people who start to morph into the same face. Yeah, I think a lot of people are scared of age or aging, right? Yeah. I think it's um, yeah. it's a difficult topic to discuss when people say, oh, I'm getting older or, you know, I am getting more wrinkles or, you know, my boobs are going left and right when I lay down, like whatever it is, you know, it's, it's a progression for everyone that it's, it's a natural thing. But when you have things in your face all the time of people who look or are 50, 60, 70, but look like they're 40, it is very confusing. Right. (laughs) So I feel like there's a whole age range where it's hard to tell, like when people start getting stuff younger, they look older and then um, so I feel like there's like a 20 year gap where I'm like, I'm not sure how old you are because <laughs> it's, yeah, it's kind of like morphed into one thing now. Um, mm-hmm. but I, I can't judge because I use like serums and creams trying to keep things young and supple. Um, but injectables isn't something that I think is for me. Yeah. And that's okay. I mean, like you said, everyone has different journeys to be on. And I agree with the age thing because nowadays 17 year olds look like 21 year olds. And, and like Mm -hmm. I said, like 60 year olds look like 40 year olds. So it's, it's a huge different transition, even for your makeup world. Right. Like, I mean, it must be 
tough sometimes when you when you have to do makeup for someone and, and they do want to look the same as, for example, the bride or they want to look the same as the other bridesmaids and have matching makeup or whatever it is. It's mm-hmm. it's it probably is pretty interesting. <laughs> oh, it's more like when somebody gives like an image, a uh, reference image of a look that they want and they pick somebody completely different um, from what they look mm. like. And they're like, I want this. And I'm sure it's the same for hairdressers where somebody's like, I want this hairstyle and their hair texture or, um, is completely different and not really attainable um, for them. Yeah. And I'm, I'm guilty of it sometimes too. Um, <laughs> uh, but I think um, it's just more about trying to accept yourself for who you are. Yeah. But if that journey leads you to um, what you feel is self-improvement, then Cool. Yeah, that's also that's a that's a huge thing. I mean, I, I was in a wedding one year and I did that exact thing. I, I gave the the woman my photo. I said, this is, you know, my my dream look for my eyeball. And she actually did exactly it, which was great. But then she made my eyebrows black. And oh. fun fact, I have red oh. eyebrows. Um, so it went from like a hundred to zero for me. Oh, oh the brows make a, a huge difference. And especially like if you have, um, if you're like me and you have no eyebrows. Um, and so I can imagine on you with like fair skin, red hair, what black eyebrows look like. Oh yeah. It was honestly, it's in the wedding video, but my, my, like it, it was such a little inside joke. Um, you know, 30 minutes before the wedding. Did you look like an angry bird? It, I think that's an understatement. Honestly, when I turned around and I saw their faces, it was enough. Like I was sold on exactly what the vibe was for the day. Oh, like I was yeah, like, yeah. we're going to have to figure this out. <laughs> it was nonetheless, it was an experience and um, lesson learned with photos. Noted. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes they do it to the T. But one thing that's been interesting, I've... Um since the new, this is something new this year, I started getting into um, modeling a little bit, which is very strange for me. Um, um, And one kind of happened accidentally. I was in a NYX um, underwear campaign and I'm a plus size woman. And if you had said to me like two years ago, you're going to be in a campaign um, in your underwear on the internet, I would have told you to stop smoking drugs um <laughs> but <laughs> it was quarantine and uh they approached me to do like a socially distant shoot um so it was quite intimate just I think three people on set and uh they made it a really super comfortable experience and it was so out of my comfort zone um and then it came out and it was on like refinery 29 and um El Canada and and now even my friend ordered something and my face is in the packaging. And I'm like, oh my God. That's, an, uh, <laughs> that's such an accomplishment so though. Damn, that's crazy. Yeah. And my friend, um, Ella, who has a bag line, Ella Handbags, I just modeled for her a few weeks ago. And that was sort of like a full circle moment because me, her and the photographer worked together um, and met in our early 20s. And um it, back then she was styling, he was the photographer and I would do the makeup. So it was kind of strange <laughs> to be in front of the camera um, and then sort of directing it. So 2020 has been an interesting year. I'd say, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, I think that's really cool because then 
you know, with all these experiences, it can also inspire you to write from a different angle of, you know, yourself or how you're feeling. I think that's actually really cool. Yeah, yeah. And I think being in um, quarantine, I kind of hate this word now, but um, I find people have to sort of pivot and sort of change direction sometimes because this is a whole new world that we're not used to and things are very different. And so I've recently started getting into um, voiceover acting as well. So I'm just dipping my toe into many different things at the moment. I think you got the voice for it. Why not? You should, you should definitely go into it, girl. I support that. I'm excited for you. That's so cool. I'm hoping it makes me some, some good money. We'll see. Oh my God. I literally, I had this conversation with my coworkers yesterday. I said, I've accepted my income for the year. Like I've, I have accepted whatever it's going to be. Yeah. Cause it's so out of our control. Right. So it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and then, yeah, it's, it's just a tease to think about like vaccines coming in the new year or whatever the, the, like early like next year will be like I don't even know what that classification is so just trying to live in the moment and do the best you can and Mm -hmm. try and stay positive and you know find new little hobbies like I find a lot of people during COVID did a lot of fun things um yes and now that you know tomorrow is November 11th and I'm pretty sure everyone is going crazy on Christmas this year so it's going to be pretty interesting to see the decorations that I've already seen half out already so it's oh yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) I think I think people now uh, once I don't know if things will get back to normal as we know at any time soon um but I think being appreciative of those moments uh celebratory moments has become even bigger now and I used to joke before because I'm kind of a homebody and before COVID if my eyebrows were off or my bra was off you could not get me back out of my house. I'm like, I'm not putting my eyebrows on. So now I'm kind of like, all those times I said, my eyebrows are off or my bra is off and I'm not going out. Once this is over, I will put my eyebrows back on. I will strap that bra back on and I'm going out. Like, yep. Oh my God. It's so, it's so funny how females are the same with that. Like I, I joke literally every day as soon as I walk through that door, like when I'm done work, the bra's off. Like that's- yep. That is an instant, if you want to FaceTime me, it's neck up. Like you are not yeah. getting anything lower. <laughs> oh no, people need an, people definitely need an appointment to FaceTime me. And they know that if there's no appointment, I'm not answering. So yep. oh, yeah. nobody, what this looks like before preparation. Um, yeah. So they need an appointment. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, you got to pre-schedule this bad boy, but yeah. 100%. <laughs> Oh, God. But yeah, speaking of social media, you know, I, I know you're on there and, and you do have a lot of your your poems on there as well. How do you find your impact for the youth or any age, um, you know, with your poetry and your writing? Oh, well, some of it's not appropriate for the youth. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was going to say, every age, I guess. <laughs> well, uh, upper teens, I would say it's good for um but I think particularly sort of body image and self-image ones are really poignant for um youth and um I think my my core audience is sort of like I would say between 20 and 44 that's kind of like my main um audience I think they appreciate 
uh, sort of the humor and quip a little bit more. Um, but I think mainly the body and self-image is important for the youth to read. Yeah, I, I honestly, now the more than ever, I think COVID has made everyone eat their feelings. If it's not bread, it's cookies. And if it's not cookies, yes. it's cake. So, you know, right now is, yes. is crucial for body image because, you know, yeah. that external approval is something that's constantly going to be out there for a long time. Yes. So, you know, having things to inspire people is, is good. And for me, it's also been a journey because I've been um, like a big girl all my life and I've recently started working out and losing weight. So I've lost about 22, 23 pounds. And um, it's interesting because like I was, I've always been, I've always had a level of self-acceptance and um, comfort in my body. I wasn't happy with it at the same time, but I didn't disparage myself all the time. So um, it's been interesting, like, cause I post sort of before and afters of my journey, not to be, like, oh my God, it was such a, a slump before, but now look at me. It's not about that. It's just for me to show myself what hard work can do and sort of motivate myself. Not to say that I looked bad before, but this is just sort of my journey. And a part of me was kind of like, I found it interesting people would message about weight loss and be like, oh my God, you look so good. And never message about, oh, you wrote two books. That's great. And it's like, mm-hmm. I found that sort of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, that me changing the way my body looks garners more attention than writing a book. So yeah. that's kind of interesting to um, digest in my head too. Yeah, well, it's, it's you know, posting those things, I think for most people, shout out to Curvy Girls in the first place mm-hmm. because we rule the Amen. world. Honest yes. to God, we really do. Yes. Um, <laughs> but, you know, sometimes I think posting those photos also give you a reminder of, you know, you're beautiful one way or the other, but you yes, want to yeah. improve yourself for yourself, which I think is A, the most important part about that entire journey. But B, Absolutely. it's reminding yourself that I'm still on this journey and this is just part one. And I think I think that's exactly. Beautiful. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I'm, it's to me, it's more about feeling good and energetic and um, I hate exercise. I'm not going to lie. Uh, <laughs> but I do feel better once it's over. So oh, it's yeah. something that I'm going to continue for myself. Well, it's just, it, it makes you realize your potential as well, right? Like, I mean, you're, Absolutely. you're exploring so many different things of what you are capable of. And this is just an addition to something that obviously you can, you can go forward with long-term and always know that you'll feel good after it. Right. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. Oh, it's so wonderful. I, I, I mean, I'm a personal trainer and sometimes I don't even like working out. So (laughs) okay. That makes me feel better. (laughs) It's like, I'm excited to train someone. And then they asked me to show me the move and it's like, okay. Um, I guess we'll do this. Um, (laughs) you know, but you just gotta put great. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, do you really want me to show you a burpee? Like, do you not know what this is? Come on. Oh, I hate burpees so much. I know so much. It's a it's a love hate situation with yeah. certain movements. Yes, push ups. Yeah, I don't know why someone invented those. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Just no. <laughs> like, rain check every time. Like it's just oh gosh, but it's it's true. But you know, thinking about your progression and you know how you're motivated to continue with all different avenues. What what is next for you with 
for example, writing? What, what do you think is your next step? Well, uh, the second book is digital for now. So I'm hoping to print by the end of the year um, and get that into uh, some bookstores and sell it online. And once that is in place, I'm going to write, start to begin on another book of poetry. Eventually, I would like to write a novel, but it's not in me yet. Mm. Um, like I know I've, I'll feel when I get to that place. I imagine myself wearing a cable knit sweater um, somewhere on an Irish coast wearing wellies and maybe the only visitor I would have would be an occasional goat um, or at a, a, a beautiful goat. seaside <laughs> house in Grenada um, and, you know, going to the market once a day, buying some spices. Like, I feel like I need to be in an environment that would be conducive to inspiring me um but I would definitely like to write a novel one day um and just eventually I'm going to be sort of stepping out of makeup I still love it uh but I think sometimes you're not meant to do one thing your entire life and mm -hmm. um I'm going to be exploring voiceover and modeling a little bit more and we'll see where it takes me yes and I, I think that's really exciting because, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah. it's not like you haven't excelled in makeup already. Like that's, that's yes. a checklist. Like that's, oh, it's incredible. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, and I mean, your, your vision for where you want to go with the novel. I mean, if I had a job where I could set my visions to that, um, to be able to write, I would, I would, yes, I would strongly consider all of that vibe. Like the, the yes. whole, the whole visionary part is yeah yeah the market and one sell me <laughs> one of my um uh have you heard of a podcast called second life yes i listen to that often and just hearing uh the journey of um successful women who've started in one facet and then moved to something completely different and done well in it i always find that sort of inspiring to listen to and um see their journey Mm -hmm. and know that for a lot of people it's just not one thing all their life so I think it's encouraging to see people make that transition and sort of pivot in their lives oh yeah and and you'd be surprised even with that podcast you know it is surprising how many people do switch like I know yes. people who have been massage therapists for years and then they say oh I'm gonna go be a police officer and it's like Oh, interesting. I, you know, like yeah. it's, a, it's a whole flip, but it's not a midlife crisis. It's not a negative energy. It just mm -hmm. means that they're, they're done with that. And that's, that's okay. It's on to the next. And I think it's, it's important to explore those feelings because sometimes you're thinking about something and you're like, oh, uh, maybe I want to be a lawyer, but I don't think I have it in me. And law school is three years and, but three years from now, it's still going to be three years later. So Yes. You either do it or you don't, right? Exactly. And that's the same with like when when people tell me, um, like I have this thing where when people tell me that they're busy or I'm too busy or, you know, I don't have time for this. It's like, I think sometimes the underlining point is that like these things aren't my priorities. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Ooh. I'm too busy for them, right? So it's very interesting when people do make that life choice of change in their careers, because 
it finally is the priority and the the change of the quote of busy is finally like to what yes yeah yes and I I find a, a, a couple books sort of helped me um transition my thinking one was called the artist way mm-hmm. um which it's talking about the journey of an artist or like a going from writer's block to helping you write and you're um supposed to journal every day write three pages first thing in the morning Ooh. can just be stream of consciousness consciousness doesn't have to be anything profound um so I'd started that which I have to get back to um <laughs> And also a book called Atomic Habits, um, which uh, sometimes I'm not that disciplined. Uh, so <laughs> um, it was really good in changing my mind frame about making certain habits more accessible or easy. So you're setting yourself up for success. Like on the days when I have to do my workout the night before I set my mat and my weights out mm, um, and smart. have my workout equipment ready. So I'm just ready, ready to go. Um, so I found those two books really helpful and kind of changing my mindset about things. Yeah. And, and it is super handy to just kind of hold yourself accountable to do those things the night before, because it is so easy, as you know, as everyone knows that you can literally just roll back over and say, okay, like I'll reset my alarm. I'll sleep for another Mm -hmm. hour. And you just lose that opportunity for your own self growth. And I think journaling, poetry, um, any type of, of platform that you can express your emotion, um, I think is beautiful. Like, I think it's, I think it's really good to do in the morning as well, especially if you've had a full night's sleep of full dreams or like a lot in your plate that day, just being able to get it out is just, it's good. <laughs> yeah, I agree. absolutely. I agree. So the last and final question I have for you is more from an entrepreneur side is if someone is looking to you know, have a second life, right? And and change into a, a, a different career point as a, a writer. Do you have any recommendations or experience that you would like to share um, so they can be more inspired to go about it? Uh, do as much research as you can. If you don't know how to do something, find help or hire somebody. Um, and just be clear about what you want. If you're interested in getting into writing and publishing your own book or whether you want to pursue the route of getting an agent um, and getting signed by a publisher, know, research how long that takes and if it's the avenue you want to take and being okay with tons of rejection. Um, one thing I have to say this experience has taught me is to, as an artist, sometimes I have very fragile egos. Um, so one thing this experience has taught me is you're just going to hear no a lot. Um, and you just have to get over it. And if you're hearing no, create your own avenue and Mm. figure out a way to do it yourself. I love that. Yeah. And it's important that they, they hear that because I mean, a lot of people think all different avenues are easy avenues and it is not, it is quite a journey and it's, it's an exciting journey. Um, but you definitely develop as a person <laughs> and a backbone of, of the notes. Yes. Yeah. And I think it's also just having that internal self-worth and part of it, it's, it's hard putting your work out there as an artist, especially something as deeply personal as poetry. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people are going to like it and some people aren't. One of my favorite 
stories to tell people is when I was writing this, the first book, uh, my friend's boyfriend, um, who's Italian, uh, we were, I was over at their place having dinner. I was like, I don't know if I should do this. I don't know if I put it out there. What if people don't like it? And just very matter of factly, he was like, you're acting like the New York Times is going to review her book. <laughs> and my friend was mortified, but it was like something clicked in my head. I was like, you're right. Who gives a mm-hmm. F? Mm-hmm. Um, some people are going to like it. I mean, I did send it to the New York Times and they sent it back, but that's okay. <laughs> hey, it's, it's, the, it's, it's the, you know, just throw it out in the pond, see what happens. Someone's going to bite. <laughs> yeah. And I, I actually laughed when it came back. I'm like, it's fine. It's fine. They're not going to read it yet. Um, but that could be an eventuality and just being okay with rejection. Not, every, not everybody's going to like your stuff. Um, and that's okay. There's a niche for everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, there's a market for everyone and everyone has their place. So if you're worried about your content or you think nobody's going to like it, someone will like it and you'll find your, you'll find your place. Yes. Everyone has a niche. That's the coolest part yes. about this world. Niche is, yeah. is, is a cool thing to have. So yeah. that's awesome. And where can people find the books? Just so if people are interested in them, you mentioned Amazon, right? So Amazon has um, both books and then the digital copy of um, A Cure for All Your Maladies is also on Apple Books. And if you're in Toronto, um, Not All Mangoes Are Sweet is carried at Queen Books a different um, book list and another story bookshop. Amazing. Yay. Well, I am so excited personally to finish the second book because I'm I'm halfway through it and I know you just sent it to me like what last week. (laughs) So I I truly love it. And I hope that, you know, someone feels inspired to continue their journey to whatever, you know, writing capabilities they have. And, And I thank you so much for coming on here because your journey clearly is just beginning and uh, I look forward to following it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Lindsay. Well, that's it for us guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to Lattes with Lindsay. Bye.